0: Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Expert on Your Life, a workbook is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Expert on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Expert on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. My guest today is author and entrepreneur Sam LaCrosse. Sam's approach to living a rich and fulfilling life does not involve cookie-cutter slogans or self-esteem dogma. The path to a good life lies in discovering and honoring your own core beliefs. In today's episode, we talk about his new book, Value Economics, The Study of Identity, which leads you to true self-discovery. Welcome to Lifeology.
1: Thanks, James. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. I am looking forward to this. Through, uh, it's funny when I
0: was telling you the pre-call when your, uh, your publisher sent me the information, you were like, this is not a self-help book, et cetera. I'm like, It's going to be a self-help show, but I love it because I know your book is a precursor to people when they do the self-help book. So it's going to be a
1: fantastic show for people to get a full
0: spectrum of how to approach any new philosophy and how to just figure out who they are in general.
1: For sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I think it's going to be an interesting dialogue between the two of us. I agree. So now you are,
0: you've kind of, well, you're in in Austin, Texas right now. How did you, because once again, when I was reading more information about you, you you're like, I'm just an average person. I'm this, I'm that, I'm this. Why is that? How is that how you brand yourself? Because I understand the concept of it, but help my listeners and viewers understand the concept for you.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think I dedic- it, we have to start out with the dedication of the book and I dedicate the book to those who tell the truth. And I don't think that anything I say in all of that Segment is wrong. Like a lot of people don't know who I am. I'm surprised you know who I am. And the only reason you did is because my publicist reached out to kind of reach out to you. So I think I kind of come from that with, you know, a couple perspectives. And the first one is that I want to tell the truth. I want to be honest. I'm really, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm 24 years old. I'm just getting my start in the world. I'm really not, haven't really made a name for myself that much. So I wanted to just kind of put myself out there from that perspective. And I think also a lot of people are coming from that perspective too. They might not feel as seen as some other people. They might feel, I don't want to say, insignificant, but they might not feel that, you know, they, a lot of their problems are isolated or they're not kind of, you know, immersed in a lot of other people, but I could be those people. You could be those people. Many people could be those people. Yeah. So I think that, you know, coming in from that perspective and also, you know, I always like kind of rooting for the underdog. I root for the Browns and the Browns have been the underdog for like my entire life. Yes. So it's, um, you know, I kind of have a, um, a situation where it's like, I like rooting for people like myself, where I'm kind of yeah. coming at it from a unique perspective. And not a lot of people have heard of me, but hopefully after this interview, and again, thank you for having me, we'll kind of hopefully change that and get some help to people.
0: Oh my gosh, my pleasure, and I really appreciate that because, like, like you said, we, we, you know, perhaps some people see me on this side of the mic or can see you on this side of the mic as well, and they can perceive a certain idea, but they don't really know the journey of how yeah. we got here. I know my journey itself was not as didn't have all this, didn't have my audience. It was not that way at all. And so, for many people, mm-hmm. so I really appreciate you coming from approach of someone who isn't yet there. I'm not saying you're not there, but as far as the the right. your audience, yeah. as far as just I don't want to say starting, but really finding their way and finding their, who they truly are so that they can create that platform or whatever that may look like for them. So I really do appreciate your approach. So I, I, I do, like I said, I, I do appreciate that. Now, Thank what you. was it for you that wanted you to say, okay, I want to write this book, Value Economics, The Study of
1: Identity? So it was a couple things. And I think it uh-huh. was, and I write about this in the introduction of the book, What Came Before. And I kind of talked about, it started the genesis of this whole conversation I had with myself and hopefully with the people who pick up this book is the Genesis of kind of belief. And it came from a conversation I had with my mother and I remember having it, I think in my junior year of college, this is probably somewhere around February, middle of 2019. So about three or four years ago at this point. And I was talking with her about, you know, beliefs and what people kind of talk about and how we believe in things. And then she just kind of, I don't know how we got on the topic specifically, but she said, you know, Sam, people, your age, they really don't believe in anything. And I said, Mm -hmm. well, Okay, well, one, first of all, is that true? And two, if that's true, why is that true? And so I did some digging and I kind of came to a concept of the concept of values, which especially by my father, it was hammered into me from a very young age, literally every single day, he would find a way to just throw it in there at like the most like when we were like he's beating the shit out of me and Godzilla or something on like my early GameCube or something like that. He'd throw something in about, you got to stick to your values. We'll play into this game, Sam, or something like that or whatever. But so that kind of, that concept was always, you know, around and constantly being hammered in by my parents, my grandparents, I had a very supportive family environment. And so I kind of made the connection there between values and belief, because I think they're very, very intertwined topics. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of the economics piece, I had the conversation with my mom. And so I began thinking of it and I began thinking about Value and sacrifice. And so I think there's a relationship between those two things, because mm-hmm. I think the more you sacrifice to get something, the more you value that something. And the inverse is also true. And so I had to take an economics class in my final year of college to graduate. And so I was basically I was a finance major in college. I had to take a, a large economics class, an advanced economics class to graduate. And I say in the first part of my book, I am no I'm far from an economist. I'm bar- I barely graduated with a finance degree. I almost failed out of college. But, you know, so I have kind of all these things, you know, so I'm in this class, I'm seeing that there, we're just doing basic supply and demand curves and stuff like that. And I said, wait a second, this is a relationship between two things, whether that can be to supply and demand or quantity and price or something. And I related that back to the value and sacrifice thing. I'm like, oh my God, that's a relationship between two things. So I did not know how to formulate those two ideas, but I said, okay, here's a very basic model. It's a two lines connected at one point, which is there. And then the two lines going across one another and intersecting. So I said, okay, if they can do that with two hard principles, why can't I try to use that same concept to explain how to come up with values? And so I had started a blog in the start of 2020, and I had that the idea for this post. So this is actually kind of my first actual post. I had like a, hey, I have a blog now post, but this is my actual first blog post. It's since been taken. Yeah, so it's since been uh, taken down now. But that was kind of the first one where I really kind of explained a concept in terms of relating your personal set of core values to economics. And I did it and I thought, well, that was kind of cool and interesting. So that was value economics. Then chapter one, it's not chapter four in the book, but then I said, okay, next month, let's do chapter two and see what happens. And then that became chapter three oh, and then chapter four and okay. then chapter five. And so I stopped around chapter six or seven, sometime in the middle of the summer of 2020. And uh-huh. that's when I began to formulate the idea and said like, you know, I might have something here. And then October of 2020, I committed to writing the book. I got the deal with Scribe Media in December of 2021 after I had finished and now I'm here. So that's kind of how the process all unfolded on itself. Wow. That's,
0: that's it's always interesting to me to see how the journey because everyone has a different different route with their journey. Mm-hmm. And so to hear yours, mm-hmm. you know, your mom said that one thing that people in your generation don't really have values. It's interesting. So the way I look at things is we have our more our morality, than our values, et cetera. So it starts from the morality. And from kids from mm-hmm. up until age of nine is when we're taught our morals. And so a really famous psychologist, um, Eric Erickson has all these different stages of development. Yep. And so he, he proposed or he postulated that up until nine years old, we're taught our val, our, excuse me, our morals based off of our family system. So every system, every family has its own culture. And so we all We, our culture is our family. And then we, let's say if it's a religion, if people have the same religion, then that family culture is one. And then the religion is another and it gets bigger and bigger. So it becomes the, mm-hmm. um, the, the society of things. And so it's, it is important that many people don't realize that how they look at the world is really based off up until they're nine years old because the parents teach them, yeah. um, how they're, how they punish them or they reward them, et cetera. And so with that, so you'll find, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's interesting when we look at a parallel aspect of the different generations. This is my own nerdiness coming out here, but yes, perhaps no, no, might, I love I'm older it. than you. <laughs> But it comes down to you know, a couple generations above me that as far as your, your mothers as well. So it's going to be what she, your parents, what they taught you and then how that rolls out. So your mm-hmm. dad, your parents had a really good strong values and, and morals with that. And so because of that, now you're really able to teach your own generation for, for individuals who weren't able to perhaps get some of those morals the way that your family instilled with you as well. So this book is going to be a fantastic way to really connect with your audience.
1: Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, and you know, to your point about uh, what Erickson studied, I think in the first chapter. So I go like I basically like go from the literally from the ground up in terms of like what is a value. How do you create a single individual oh, value? <clears throat> and so like it starts if... literally from like I, I I had to dumb it down both for myself and hopefully for a lot of people to kind of understand like <laughs> where, where, where I'm where I'm coming so. from here. And so you know what you said about Eric Erickson in terms of just kind of what they were exposed to at a young age so there are four val- or there are four factors of production in any economic system there's the land there's the labor there's the capital and there's the entrepreneurship and so the land is literally the ground the raw material it is what you build out of the ground or something else so when i was creating that chapter and starting from the ground up i said you know okay what could be the land in a value what is the land in a value mm-hmm. And to your point, I've said, you know, with Eric Erickson, it's our experiences, I think. It's how nice. we were raised. It's how we brought up. It's okay. what we saw. It's kind nice. of what we were, who we looked up to, where we were around growing up. Mm-hmm. So I'm, again, I'm far from a psychologist or a professional of any kind, but I think our values and our morality, to your point, are very, very intertwined in a lot of those things and especially in our experiences. So I think without having experiences and only siphoning from those experiences to kind of, I would say, derive everything else from, I think that's about as good of a starting point as any, which is why I started with that in the book.
0: I really like how you liken um, an economic standpoint and you connect that to an abstract thought or abstract concept. It's really interesting because sometimes people struggle with that. So it makes sense to me when you say our experience is like the land. What is it about the book when you talk about the study of identity? Explain that more to me.
1: So, yeah, it's it's a good question. I think it's a question that a lot of us, especially in recent times, have struggled with. I think, you know, I I can't speak for obviously for your generation or whatever, but I'm talking more specifically about Gen Z. Like I said, I'm only 24 years old and I see a lot of people my age because I live in Austin, Texas, one of the biggest young professional, you know, explosion, exploding places in the United States. And I see a lot of people talking about and having conversations about identity, but I don't think we're really Connecting the two dots together. I don't really think there's I think there's something missing inside of the gambit because there's been a lot of talk about identity recently, whether that's your sexuality, your gender identity, your race, your your whatever you kind of have around it. And so I do think those things are important components of identity. But I do think that there is something more to that that people are missing. And I think you cannot look at a group and distill it down to an individual because a group is made out of a series of individuals. And so I said, okay, we're thinking about this in the collective context, which is very important because we do need to have a collective Mm -hmm. identity as a country, as a city, as a company, as a whatever. But we also need to be a series of individuals first. And I thought the individual was kind of getting parsed out of the overall equation of identity for in favor of the really large group identities. And some of that, like I said, is valid with all the stuff that's going on in society recently, but I think it has to start at the individual level. And I think a lot of our generation is lost at the individual level because we're so conflated with a lot of either what people say or what we observe in terms of group identity that we've ignored the individual identity. And I believe the best way to form your identity from my experience and from what I say in the book is through your individual values and your individual value systems that forge you are forge who you are as a person. And I alluded earlier to my family, my parents, especially my grandparents, and they have lived very, very, I think, successful lives because they're not perfect people. No one's a perfect person, but they've lived a life that I think I'm envious of because I kind of wanted a lot of what they had and they have lived, I think, a very, very solid life. And they've told me that before and they said not a lot of people have really experience what we've experienced before. And the way we got there was through our values. And so I said, and I think the, to kind of go off on a side tangent a little bit, people can explain values in abstract, but as I mm-hmm. mentioned before, really no one can, when I ask people, what is a value? I don't think a lot of people, I couldn't answer the question. So I don't know if a lot of people right. could, you know, say what a value is. And so I'm like, okay, because my, you know, when a motivational speaker or whatever they get on the stage, and say so you've got to start with your values. and I'm, And then the crowd shouts back at him, what is that? And so like, we just don't really know, like all of, all of sure. the other, I just don't think we knew how to connect the dots. So I'm thinking, okay, there's a gap in the understanding here. So how can I both solve that problem and then lead to us having more individualized identities that can form a collective identity as a group that can really kind of coexist with one another better. We'll be right back.
0: Are you an emerging persona or a global organization that isn't getting recognition from the press? Have your marketing and advertisement efforts hit a plateau? Let us help you take your brand to the next level. Red Heifer Media is a full service boutique public relations agency specializing in health and wellness, tech, real estate, and nonprofit organizations. We can turn your successful company into a reputable brand. Take your first step and visit www.redheffermedia.com. Once again, visit www.redheffermedia.com to take your brand to the next level. I am back. I'm speaking with Sam Lacrosse. We're talking about his book, Value Economics, The Study of Identity. We're just talking about the different the aspects of value. So with all that in mind, define what is a value for our, our audience today.
1: So I would say, and kind of going everything else, a value is something that is scarce, a value that is something that is personal to you, and a value is something that is of importance to you. So it is really, because value is in a sense arbitrary, because let's just say, let's just say we're talking about colors. Let's just say your favorite color is black, and I say my favorite color is white. Those obviously are different types of things. So I mean, there is going to be a polarity and a difference between a lot of people. And I say in the first chapter that no matter what kind of value system you adopt, you are going to naturally polarize people, and that's okay because you do need to live to what is important to you, and you need to be truthful and honest with yourself about that. But you also need to be aware that other people might have different importance important things that they value, whether that is a favorite color, whether that is what they do for a living, whether that's how they are treat their children or cheat their spouse or, or cheat, not cheat their spouse. And don't do that, treat exactly. their spouse and do all these, do all these, uh, all these other things. So it's kind of different how we perceive importance and how we perceive true scarcity and true value in the sense of ourselves. So I think that it's a lot of kind of introspection and a lot of ways to enact that introspection with your actions into real life.
0: When a person really can understand their, their values and can really identify them, and then they live that, how does that change their lives? So with this... Uh, prior to them having this knowledge versus post knowledge, what, what what's the the juxtaposition between that then and then 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 and now? What would be different for them?
1: So I think the red pill analogy is very overused, but it's kind of like you know when you're when you don't have something that you can anchor your life on, you're naturally going to float. You're going to float whether that's a boat, whether that's you know however you're going to. If you are not tied down to something, you are going to float away and do all these other things. And what I see happen is, let's just use the boat example, for instance, the boat is not tied down at the dock, it floats away, and then it's at the mercy of the ocean, because the ocean or the lake or whatever dictates the water. It's just kind of the natural way of things. So when an individual person does not have something anchoring them down, they float, and then they ultimately, I think, get held hostage or get captured by a larger force that may or may not be good for them and may or may not align with their values. So you're either going to have, I think, your system of values, or you will naturally be progressed to conform to another opinion of someone else who can enforce something on you, whether that's kind of either a crazy conspiracy theory cult or kind of a company or something else that you Mm -hmm. can kind of either say, okay, I want to be part of this crazy conspiracy cult because of my core values. Yeah. Or I do not want this thing. And I actually have a direction that I want to chart with my life. So whether it's, and again, it goes about what is important to you and if you can't answer what is valuable to you, what is important to you, then I think a lot of stuff is going to be really, really hard for you to answer and you will end up at the mercy of somebody else.
0: Yeah. I'm reading more about your book, like I said at the very beginning of this, it talks about, you know, a lot of the self-help world teaches very cookie cutter things. And I'm obviously part of the self-help world, but a lot, you're right. A lot mm-hmm. of them do, you read this book, you do these five steps and all of a sudden your life will change. And many people have tried that. Right. And for some people that's worked really well. But, but one thing you're really saying about your book is every person has to identify that for themselves. Yes, the the steps may work, but you can't really get the steps unless you really know who you are because, it, because mm-hmm. it's because the sense is not a cookie cutter aspect of it. I have to understand my values and what works for me, what makes sense for me as James, the individual. Yes, And once I understand that, then I can try and use one of these templates and it may or may not work, but I'd have to tweak it to such a degree that it fits into my mm-hmm. paradigm or my worldview or my values to see if that would actually work. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that part of it was very, very crucial. And that was honestly the hardest part for me because, mm-hmm. you know, okay, I'm telling the, but like, it's like, am I doing the same thing as the people I'm calling out for doing the same thing as I'm doing? And the way I chose to combat that was using kind of, like I said earlier, those economic principles that have existed for in hundreds and hundreds of years that have been worked to test over time and to work mm-hmm. in terms of economic systems and relate them over to those models. So we have some kind of sustainable, repeatable process that is ground in a type of science in this case, economics. So I think sure. that, you know, you have to, you have to start from that point. And I think, honestly, I've been thinking about this a lot over the past couple of days, let's just say a thousand people buy my book and people take it a thousand different ways. I think that is a good thing. I think that's a good of thing course. because that that's shows nice. kind of, you know, people are taking it in. they're internalizing it. They're absorbing the information and they're saying, okay, I have this is my first sense about myself, and I can follow these rules and these principles. And I think that's transferable, whether it's, say, you know, work hard and you'll be rewarded, be nice to people and people will probably be nice to you back. And it's, I kind of wanted to reach that type of an axiom where it's really not anything that's too you know, ob- like, you know, unobvious, like people are like, oh, wow, this is a massive revelation in my life. I'm really not saying many things that are new, mm-hmm. but what I think I am saying that is potentially refreshing is that you need to honor the core of who you are first, Correct. and then you can make those decisions. Because after sure. that, then you will really kind of have an authentic grasp of what your reality can look like going into the future.
0: When Who are the, who are the people that you want to have read this book? What's, what's, the, um, what's the readership look like?
1: So I think it can be applicable to most everybody because I think it's a good thing when everybody has their individual set of values. Mm-hmm. But going back to the Gen Z point, I think a lot of young people, they were either raised to either not to, like I, I think I got a unique situation growing up because I was raised where values were very, very important with my family. And they're, you know, and I think that, you know, I was very, very blessed about that. I was very, very fortunate to have that kind of happen to me. And I think that it's just kind of been, again, just pushed to the side in our cultural conversation about how we're talking about certain things or how we talk to each other. And I think that going back and honoring those things is something that Gen Z, I don't think is very good at yet. And we're just starting out. We're kind of getting really kicked into everything else. Like I said, I mean, we're not going to be the masters of the universe quite yet. We're not the CEOs of companies. We're really not the not, you know, people with massive podcast platforms, anything like that, national syndicated radio shows, but we're going to be. And the reality of the situation is we are going to inherit the earth at some point. And so when we inherit the earth, we have to ask ourselves, what's that, what's that going to look like? Are we going to be a system that all kind of, or a, I would say a collective of society that all is pushed by group think and everything else that may or may not work for the individual person. And are we going to be authentic with how we convey ourselves? Or are we going to be just kind of photocopies of one another that really kind of, you know, pass out to one another on the street. So I think that it's better that, people know who they are before they inhabit those positions of influence of power of everything like that and i'm not saying i'm fully there yet and i'm saying in the book that you need to constantly you know reiterate on this stuff and really go back and see if it still matches Mm -hmm. up to who you are as a person have perspective on those things but i think that gen z really kind of needs to wake up and see that this is an important thing and that it's being ignored and it can't be ignored because i think it's really important certainly it
0: certainly is now when people
1: hear all this the, some people might think, okay, well, this is
0: this is more of a workbook. This is a um, it's a manifesto. What kind of book would you actually? How would you describe the book?
1: So I was talking to you earlier in the pre call about this. I want this book to be positioned as the book everyone should read before they pick up any self help book ever, yeah. because I think again, I say the book is accomplishing two problems. I said this when I announced the book, or it's it's going to answer two questions. I should say, who are we, and how can you help yourself if you don't if you can't answer question A? So when you're trying to help yourself, if you're helping yourself for the wrong reasons because you don't know who you are, I don't think that's helping yourself. I don't think it's helping anybody. Right. I think it's kind of, you know, if you're if you're going in a wrong direction and you say you're quote unquote helping yourself, you're indirectly lying to yourself about what you might really need and what you might really need is probably going to be pretty important if you think you need to, you know, seek out help for it or buy my book or thankfully or do something else. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, I wanted to serve as something like, okay. I've answered all these essential questions about myself. I know who at least a little bit better. It's, the water's gotten a little less cloudy of who I am as an individual. And then I can kind of parse out whether I need improvements in my romantic relationships, in my social relationships, in my work life, in my family life, and everything like that. I need to honor who I am first. And so before I need to help myself, I need to answer that question first. So I would say to anyone who is really kind of seeing that they're lacking in some way or another and wants to improve themselves. And I always encourage people to do that because I sure. want people to get better. I don't want people to get worse. I want people to really just see that, okay, I need to do some groundwork before I, I need to lay the foundation before I build the house. Mm-hmm. And your
0: focus group or in your study group are people who've already read this book. Have you had any reviews thus far?
1: So I've kept it pretty tight lift at this point. Like I, I don't think a lot of I told I I think the count was around fifteen or twenty people before I officially announced it. Other than my publisher, obviously. Yeah, and I've reached I reached out to a couple of the gentlemen on the back of my book who all endorsed my book, and thankfully they did. Uh, Paul Reader, Seth Kramer, Doug Farron, and Paul Hooker. All three of them are Ohio State University professors where I went to school, and the other oh, is wow. the founder of a charity that I support called Rally Cap Sports. And so I handed over to all of them, and I think the the biggest compliment and the biggest piece of feedback I got was from my editor actually, because when I submitted it to my editor for my first look over Scribe, I, so I went in it's basically, you know, we'll see you in six weeks and we'll come back with our first revision. Yeah. And so when my publishing manager, Elise, when she sent me over, Hey, we have your feedback on your first draft. I just wanted to kind of say like, okay, I hope there's nothing seismically wrong sure. with what I, with what <laughs> I, I did. Is, yeah. So like, I, right. I just don't want there anything. Like I, if I had to rewrite the book, cause I stripped this thing down to the studs. I, I basically, I really, really edited it hardcore. So I'm like, that's going to be really disappointing if I have to take any of this stuff out. But the thing that I saw that was very, very enlightening with all of this, and he is a guy who I think, think or who I believe thinks very, very differently from me on a lot of things and everything else. And he said, you know, Sam, I think you wrote a really great book. I read the book. I really, really enjoyed it. And it's probably not for me, but it's something I would give to my son. And it's something oh, that my perfect. son would, that I think my son would read. Excellent. And so I'm like, okay, like, like, yes, like we got it. Like, I mean, that, that's kind of a, that was a really, really encouraging piece of feedback. And I think that when I posted, you know, the announcement for the book, I posted the introduction on, you know, on my blog and I posted it on my podcast that I have a lot of people who listened to it and read it. I all got very, very positive feedback for them. And that was really the first mass exposure I got to a lot of people who were my age, who were on the younger spectrum of things. And they all said, you know, like, wow, this is really, really cool. It's cool that you wrote, like, wrote a book, first of all. and But it's also cool that you're talking about these types of things. And in doing other interviews like we're doing right now and talking to people and saying, like, okay, this is what I wrote. This is kind of what my ideas flushed out for. And, you know, that was – and I got two, I would say, two really other major pieces of validation that we could talk about. But I would say that one was the one that really kind of hit home for me.
0: And that's fantastic because that's really hits the mark of what you're looking for is to the Gen Z or anyone else really to just really be able to find their, their core values to really understand that. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a fantastic, wonderful, wonderful review you got. Unfortunately, our time is up. We could talk all day. If my viewers and listeners want to find out more information about you and to purchase your book one more time, value economics, the study of identity, where they find all this information online.
1: Yes, of course. So it's going to be out on June 28th, 2022. So the Amazon link will be posted on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com and paperback, hardcover and ebook. And you can find me on LinkedIn at Sam LaCrosse, L-A capital C-R-O-S-S-E and on Instagram, RealSamLax, R-E-A-L-S-A-M-L-A-X. And I will be posting content from the book, from the responses to the book all throughout the next week. And again, it's coming out on Tuesday, June 28th.
0: Wonderful. My viewers and listeners also know that this show syndicates for many years to come. So if you watch this show after that, Mark, simply go to any of the places he told you about and you can purchase the book there. Sam, thank you so much for a wonderful guest on my show today. We'll talk soon.
1: Thanks, James. Appreciate it, man.
0: I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today.